Well, good morning, friends of Go Ye Harvest Outreach Ministry. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. I'm Dan Morgan, and I'll be facilitating our third session of Explore Bible Basics. So let us pray. Gracious Father, who art God, we thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercies, and all of your wonderful benefits. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we can come together to study your word, to see what your word has to say to us. We pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will be here with us, that you will speak through me as I deliver the word, Father God. Father God, we pray that it will be for the edification of someone who would listen to this message. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in our previous session, we established a framework for our Bible studies. During these Bible study sessions, we said that we want to address questions, issues, or concerns that Christians and non-Christians, believers and non-believers alike, may have regarding God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, prayer, fruits of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, the sanctity of life, even Scripture itself. There are so many topics that we can explore, but these will be our basic topics, and we'll continue to spend the next several weeks reviewing these topics as we discuss what the Word of God has to say to us. It's important that we understand and know that here at Go Ye Harvest Outreach Ministry, we believe the Holy Scripture to be the Word of God. That is our starting point. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's do a quick recap. Go Ye Harvest Outreach Ministry is an end-time ministry of believers, partners, supporters, and volunteers incorporated in the state of Georgia to do outreach ministry. The ministry is dedicated to reaping a plentiful harvest for the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus said in Matthew, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And we want to be in the vineyard of God today, doing the work that he's called us to do. Continue on about who we are. The ministry is not a church. Rather, it is a non-denominational ministry focused on redeeming adults to Christ by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ without regard to race, religion, sex, national origin, or political affiliation. Our mission continues to be, as we've said in the last several sessions, primarily to promote the spiritual growth of adults by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through individual and group fellowships of prayer, devotion, Bible study, praise and worship, and discussion sessions here at our location at 844 2nd Street in downtown Macon, as well as on college campuses, prisons, hospitals, and nursing homes. We also share the gospel through our street service. Matter of fact, speaking about street service, we're going to have our second street service this Saturday from 1 to 3 o'clock at the Rocky Creek Food Mart at the intersection of Rocky Creek Road and Bloomfield Road. If you're available, you're free, and the Lord leads you to, we invite you to come out. Spend a couple of hours with us as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to review the details of these scriptures, but we want you to know that these are the scriptures that form the core beliefs for this ministry. So, let's begin. Let's explore Bible basics. In our last session, we talked about God, and we used the names of God to really tell us about God because God reveals himself to mankind through the different names of God. In this session, we're going to talk about Jesus. Who is Jesus? 
You know, we're not going to try and prove that Jesus lived. That's not in dispute. History itself proves that Jesus existed, and we're going to look at a number of ways in which history proved his existence. Rather, this Bible study is presented to help understand and know who Jesus is according to Holy Scripture, the Bible. The calendar. We're going to look at the calendar, how the calendar proves that Jesus lived. Two of the largest religions in the world that comprise 55% of the human population believes he was a prophet. We as Christians go further than him being just a prophet, but even Islam declare and believe that Jesus was a prophet. And then what others say about Jesus. We're going to use these three just so that we reconfirm with you that Jesus did indeed live. So the Gregorian calendar is a calendar that we use today. And we use a calendar to determine life and death of Jesus. The calendar that was put in place by Pope Gregory XIII is a calendar used today by most of the world. And we use this calendar. We say A.D. and B.C., after death and before Christ. We also use a calendar to determine the passage of time. We measure our days, our weeks, our months, our years, centuries, etc. by the calendar. So even the calendar we use itself points to and proves the existence of Jesus and that he lived. I mentioned before that two of the world's largest religions declares that Jesus lives. Or at least he lived. For Christians, we believe he still lives. Muslim also believes that he still lives. Christian of the largest denomination of people in the world today. Christians comprises 2.3 billion people of the 7 billion people. When you add the Muslim 1.8 billion people to it, we're talking about 4 point something billion people, more than half the planet, except Jesus Christ as having lived. The best book that has ever been sold of all time, talks about Jesus. We're talking about the Bible. According to Genesis, Book of Real World Records, on December 5th, 2015, the Bible was the best-selling book of all times, with over 5 billion copies sold as of December 2015. The Genesis Book of World Records also estimate that 800 million copies of the Quran have been sold. Between these two books that attest to Jesus, we have almost 6 billion copies of books, holy books, that say that Jesus lived. What do other people say about Jesus that also helps prove that Jesus lived? H.G. Wells, who is a famous English writer who wrote War of the Worlds and is considered to be the father of science fiction, stated, I am a historian. I am not a believer, but I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all of history. This is Mahatma Gandhi. Many people are familiar with him. A man who was completely innocent offered himself as a sacrifice for the good of others, including his enemies. 
and became the ransom of the world. It was a perfect act. We need to understand that Mahatma was not even a Christian. But yet he says that Jesus became the ransom of the world. St. Augustine says, I have read in Plato and Cicero saying that they are very wise and very beautiful. But I have never read in either of them, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Continue on. This is a good one. The author's unknown, but it's a good one. Buddha never claimed to be a god. Moses never claimed to be Jehovah. Muhammad never claimed to be Allah. Yet Jesus Christ claimed to be the true and living God. Buddha simply said, I am a teacher in search of truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. Confucius said, I never claimed to be holy. Jesus said, who convicts me of sin? Muhammad said, Unless God throws his cloak of mercy over me, I have no hope. Yet Jesus said, unless you believe in me, you will die in your sin. Amen to that. Continuing on. This is by J. Sitlow Baxter, a very prominent pastor and evangelist and author out of England. He says this. Fundamentally, our Lord's message was himself. He did not come merely to preach a gospel. He himself is, not was, is the gospel. He did not come merely to give bread. He said, I am the bread. He says, I am the bread of life. He did not come merely to shed light. He said, I am the light. He did not come merely to show the door. Jesus said, I am the door. He did not come merely to name a shepherd. He said, I am the shepherd. He did not come merely to point the way Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Another one for you from J.B. Phillips. I like this in Your God is Too Small. The Jews tried to keep Christians, I'm sorry, the Jews tried to keep Christ contained within their law, while the Greeks sought to turn him into a philosophy. The Romans made of him an empire. The Europeans reduced him to a culture, and we Americans, you know, we made a business out of Jesus. God may thunder his commands from Mount Sinai, and men may fear, yet at heart exactly as they were before these encounters. But let a man once see his God down in the arena as a man suffering, tempted, sweating, and agonized, finally dying a criminal's death, and he is a hard man indeed, who is not touched. I like what Napoleon said. Everybody knows about Napoleon. I mean, you can't say anything about history without acknowledging Napoleon. But here's what Napoleon would say. I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there's no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires. But on what did we on, on but on what did we rest the creation of our genius? Upon force. Yet Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. I would like to think that just as Napoleon said in his time, that millions of men would die for Jesus then, we have millions who would die today for our Lord. 
Albert Einstein, everybody knows Albert Einstein. Listen to what he has to say. As a child, I received instructions both in the Bible and in the Talmud. I am a Jew, but I am enthralled by the luminous figure of the Nazarene. No one can read the gospel without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. His personality pulsates in every word. No myth is filled with such light. Jesus is not a myth is what Einstein is saying. As the century passed, the evidence is accumulating that measured by his effect on history, Jesus is the most influential life ever lived on planet Earth. It's by a great historian, Kenneth Latore. And then S.D. Gordon says, Jesus, I like this, Jesus is God spelling himself out in language that mere men like us can understand. What better way for God to express himself? And finally, we have C.S. Lewis, a man who was merely a man and said the sorts of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come away with any patronizing nonsense about Jesus being a great human teacher. He has not left that door open to us. He did not intend to. Lastly, on history proving that Jesus lived, you can go to your Wikipedia, which seems to replace the dictionary now and other encyclopedia, but check out Wikipedia, and this is what Wikipedia says. Jesus, also referred to as Jesus of Nazareth and Jesus Christ, was a first century Jewish preacher and religious leader. He is a central figure of Christianity. Christians believe he is the incarnation of God the Son and the awaited Messiah, the Christ prophesied in the Old Testament. Finally, virtually all modern scholars of antiquity agree that Jesus existed historically. Lastly, one more. Jesus was a Galilean Jew who was baptized by John the Baptist and began his ministry. He preached orally and was often referred to as rabbi. Jesus debated with fellow Jews on how to best follow God, engaged in healings, taught in parables, and gathered followers. He was arrested and tried by the Jewish authorities, turned over to the Roman government, and crucified on the order of Hunter's Pilate, the Roman prefect. After his death, his followers believed he rose from the dead, and the community they formed eventually became the early church. That in some says what we believe about Jesus. But we're going to go a little further than that. We're going to go deeper. But for the most part, what is said here is historically representation of Jesus. So we talked about the calendars. We talked about the religious and what others would say about Jesus. We know that Jesus lived. But as I said, this Bible session is not about proving the historical Jesus because that fact is already proven. 
What we want to do now is go into a discussion and presentation of the word to demonstrate that Jesus was more than just a mere moral teacher. We want to demonstrate and show that Jesus is God in the flesh. We call it incarnate. So he, who is Jesus? And I have the caption up there. The word tells us now. You got to understand the word because we're going to talk about the word. We're not just simply saying the word is scripture. But who did Jesus say? He said, John said Jesus was. He was the word. And we're going to talk about Jesus as the word. So as we discuss in knowing God, the Holy Scripture tells us in John 3, 16. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's an important scripture we're going to refer back to because it's the basis upon what we're going to be discussing today, along with John 1 through 14. John 1, 1 through 14 tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, if you're a believer already, there's no question about who Jesus is. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shining in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Continuing, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believeth on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word, here we go now, and the word Jesus was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The we here is John talking about all of those who witnessed Jesus living performing miracles throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria, and in other places. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John's declaration makes it very clear that Jesus was in the beginning, Jesus was with God, Jesus is God in the flesh manifested. Who is Jesus? Again, Jesus tells us the word. Jesus is the word. The word tells us. John 3, 16, I told you before, we're going to be repeating this several times. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then I summarize here verses 1 through 14 of 1 John because this is important. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten son. So you say, well, who is John? Who is this guy? Well, what's important to know about John is John not only did he write the book of John, which is the fourth gospel, but he wrote first and second and third John and he wrote the book of Revelation. John is the only person whom the Bible says that Jesus loved with a love that was probably deeper than other disciples. John is the only person that scripture tells us that was close, so close to Jesus that he could recline back and just lean against Jesus during dinner. You know, 
That's the relationship that John had with Jesus. And John, having had this close relationship with Jesus, knew him fully well, could write these words about Jesus. Because not only of the experience that he had with Jesus while Jesus was here with us, but also because of what happened on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was come. And then the Holy Spirit began to deal with all the apostles. So they truly knew that the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, whom we call Lord and God, had come in the flesh. So who is the Son and who is the Word? John tells us the Word, Jesus, was with God and was God. From this, we draw two very important conclusions about Jesus and the Trinity. Jesus is God and existed from the beginning as God. But yet his existence is somehow distinct from God the Father. John tells us Jesus was God, was with God, and was God at the same time. But this is the mystery of the Trinity. See, because we know that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit exist as three, but yet one. All three persons exist in the Godhead as one God, and yet all are distinct from the other. That's another sermon in and of itself, the mystery of the Trinity. We know from Scripture that God the Father is spirit. John tells us in 3, 6, 8, God's spirit is invisible. And Genesis tells us, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Who is Jesus? This guy we're talking about. This carpenter from from Galilee. The Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. As such, Jesus is the only person in the Godhead who has entered into and became a part of a physical creation. People in his time saw the physical Jesus, and we will too because Jesus can be seen in the physical dimension. Jesus, as one in the Godhead, entered into creation and became a part of it. A, a part of it. We say that Jesus became incarnate. John tells us, again, I'm saying this several times now, John tells us the word Jesus was with God and was God. But what does John mean by, by this? John means that Jesus is the physical manifestation of God the Father, just as our spoken words are the physical manifestation of our inner thoughts. It can't be put more plainly than that. In John 10, 25 through 31, we're told Jesus himself says that he is one with the Father. Here's what Jesus is saying. I already told you. They're not listening. They're not hearing him. I already told you, Jesus replied, but you did not believe. The work I do in my Father's name testify on my behalf. But because you are not my sheep and you refuse to believe, no one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Very clear. I and the Father are one. Now, notice this. At this, the Jews again picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? Now, here's the catcher. We are not stoning you for any good work, said the Jews, 
but for blaspheming because you who are a man declare yourself to be God. Jesus fulfilled God the Father's purpose by providing a physical representation of the Godhead to the creation. Hebrews said this way, God spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many ways. And these last days he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. He, that is Jesus, is the radiance of his, that is God's glory, and the exact representation of his, that is God's nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. The word being that God spoke and it was so. The word came forth and creation came forth. The word of his power. After the fall of Adam, God chose to reveal himself to man through a man. Jesus is fully God and fully man. In Jesus is the fullness of God. The attributes of God, all of the attributes of God, resides in Jesus as well. Until God the Father took action through Jesus and created the universe, there was no physical reality to God's presence in the physical but when God spoke, when Jesus took action as part of the Godhead, because Jesus, as John tells us, through him and by him were all things made, the creation came into existence. John, God, I'm sorry, God says in Genesis, let there be light, and it was so. God also said, let us make man. Us is plural. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. In doing so, he was equating himself with God. So let's take a look at that. In John 8, 48 through 59, Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say he is your God. Now, if he's your God, yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is the Son of God, God the Son, divine. In John 3, 16, that we've said several times now, we are told that God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whom believeth in him shall have eternal life. Jesus is also called the Son of Man in his human nature. We are told in John 1, 1 through 14, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, he was in the beginning with God, all things were made by him, the Word was made by him, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, the only begotten of the Father. So let, let's look at Jesus in his divinity. God the Father himself recognized Jesus as his son. Acts 13 tells us he has fulfilled for us their children by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm. You are my son, today I have begotten you. The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 1.5, 
For which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you, and again I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. Matthew wrote, while he was still speaking, and many of us are familiar with these, this passage of scripture, while he was still speaking, a bright, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This event known as the Transfiguration is a pivotal moment in Christian theology. It supports the identity of Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. In Luke, we're told when announcing the upcoming birth of Jesus to Mary, to Mary, the angel Gabriel said, The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Matthew tells us, Simon Peter testified that Jesus was the Son of the living God. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Uh, who, do you say, who do you say I am, Simon Peter? Answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus was the Word of God that became flesh. He forgives sin as only God can. Now Mark 2, 7, the scribe said, Who can forgive sins but God only? Jesus said that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sin. Peter wrote, Who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. Matthew 5 makes it clear and tells us that Christ came to fulfill the law. It says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, that's not a dot, will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus performed many miraculous work. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He raised the dead. When the Son of Man come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he was sit on the throne of his glory. It is as you said, nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. These are different sayings that Jesus said about him being the Son of Man. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. His resurrection is fundamental to our Christian faith. I walk with Christ. The reality of the resurrection is explained in John chapter 20, 21 through 20. And again in Corinthians. The, credi the credibility of the resurrection, Jesus predicted it. The tomb was empty. Many witnesses saw him alive. Women, Mary Magdalene and others, along with Peter and his other disciples, all saw Jesus 
after his resurrection, absolutely an incredible feat that could only be done by God. 2.4 billion people call themselves Christians. Billions of dollars are given and millions of acts of kindness are done in his name. And more than 5 billion copies of the Bible, which is all about Jesus, have been sold. Continuing, Jesus referred to himself as the Son of God. This is Paul speaking in Romans. Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophet in the Holy Scripture, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh. John also says, this is Jesus speaking to John, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the, son, the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. And John, Jesus also, it is also said, but when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. In this passage, we're talking about Lazarus. Lazarus had died. Jesus was not there. They had sent word to Jesus. Jesus tarried. He waited a little while before he went. When he finally got there doing conversation, one of the sisters said to him, Lord, he is dead. If you had come, he may live. Jesus said, he's not dead. But no, he's dead. No, he's not dead. They go to the tomb and Jesus said, roll away the stone. And they say, but wait, he's been dead three days. He stinks now. Jesus said, roll away the stone. The stone is rolled away. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus come forth, demonstrating that Jesus has power even over death, as he also demonstrated with his own resurrection. At his trial, while under oath, Jesus admitted to being the Son of God. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, it is as you said. So who is Jesus? 69 times in the gospel, Jesus calls himself the son of man. Jesus recognized himself as the son of man, his favorite designation in referring to himself. In Matthew, he says, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Then Jesus says in Mark, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic man, take up your bed and walk. <coughs> As a human, Jesus had a human mother, Mary. His miraculous birth was prophesied 800 years before his coming. It is said in the Old Testament, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Jesus died on the cross. Talk about his humanity. This is a, the fundamental theme of the gospel. The fact of his death, one-fourth of the gospel are dedicated to his passion and resurrection. For this purpose, he came into the world. Jesus says it himself, for this purpose, I come into the world. And his death would prophesy hundreds of years before he even came. The meaning of Jesus' death was the ransom for our sin. Jesus had to come to pay the penalty for our sin. 
And in doing so, we're redeemed back to God the Father. So Jesus says, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. For the Son of Man has come to see and to save that which was lost. Jesus says this in Luke 19.10. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man, that is Jesus, is teaching them about himself. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. The summation right there. He came, he lived, he performed many miraculous works. He was accused of something he did not do. He died a sinner's death on a cross. He rose again on the third day. So in his human nature, nature Jesus became tired. He was thirsty. He ate food. He had feelings. He wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He knew temptation and he died. Now why is that important? It is important to understand that God the Father, through the Holy Spirit, would impregnate Mary the Virgin to conceive a child born of the Holy Spirit that is from God. To come into this world, to endure and live as we lived. Jesus did not live as he would in heaven. He lived as a mere human. He had to eat and do all those things that we do as humans. God himself understands exactly what it is that we go through. All of our experiences, all of our frustrations. Because prior to his incarnation, he was experiencing life as a human. The Holy Spirit was still upon him. But he was experiencing our humanity. So when we say, Lord, you just don't understand, that's not true. He does understand. We may not understand, but he understands. He is a heavenly bearer, and we can take all of our cares, all of our concerns to Jesus. So all four of the Gospels, as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are written about Jesus and describes Jesus' final week. This last week, he lived there in Jerusalem. And a lot happened. A lot happened during that time. During this time, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, which I spoke about. He confronted the money changers and the merchants in the temple. He was so irate, so angry that they would be turning the house of God into a money exchange place, a marketplace. The scripture says he made a cord and ran them all out of the temple. And indignation, anger, indignation, righteous anger at what was happening in the house of God. Jesus debated with the high priest. They questioned his authority. He told his disciples about, his, about the coming days. And he even told them that the temple would be destroyed. When he told them the temple would be destroyed, they didn't believe him. You mean this big edifice, this big huge building, one of the most magnificent buildings of, of that time. They could not believe that that building was going to be destroyed. But yet history shows and demonstrates, not only scripture, but history demonstrates that the temple was destroyed. The pride and glory of a nation that rejected their Messiah. Yet their Messiah predicted it would be destroyed and they would be scattered. And it was so. Who is Jesus? A soldier confirmed his death 
by sticking a spear into his side, which produced water. He was taken down from the cross and buried in a tomb. Three days after his being buried, Jesus' tomb was found empty. He had risen from the dead and appeared first to Mary Magdalene and then to his mother Mary. They both informed the disciples who of all things were hiding. And later Jesus appeared to them and told them not to be afraid. During this brief time, Jesus beseeched his disciples to go into the world and to preach the gospel to all humanity. After 40 days, Jesus led his disciples to Mount, to Mount Olivet, east of Jerusalem. And there he spoke his final words, saying that they would receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus was taken up in the, into the clouds into heaven. I want to close today by reading some additional scriptures about who is Jesus. And once I'm done reading these scriptures, we'll conclude the former part of the Bible Explore session and we can have a question and answer period to discuss questions and all. So, John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except by me. There's a lot of debate about what Jesus said here and Many theologians argue over what Jesus meant by this. Does that mean that all the people who lived in previous time who didn't get a chance to know Jesus somehow never got to come to Jesus to get to the Father? All I can say is this. Jesus said it is in Scripture, and I believe it. I don't know the process that God the Father has to reconcile those who lived before and did not necessarily know Jesus. But what I do know this is that Paul tells us that for many, you know, God has put this thing in all of us to know right from wrong. And Paul said, for those that do not know the word, they will be the word, they will be judged by a different standard. Even their conscience and mind condemning them. Once a child becomes to the age of knowledge of knowing right and wrong, scripture teaches that they will be held accountable. So the process that God has in place is a just process. He's a just God. He says, will you pervert my ways to justify your ways? Friend, we can't ever believe that somehow know, we know better than God does. He has a way, and he is a just God. First Timothy, but there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, that is the man, Christ Jesus. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He changes not, is what the word says. Acts 2, 38, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace and with his stripes we are healed. Aren't you thankful today that because the stripes that Jesus bore we are healed. His word said he sent his word and healed them. By his stripes we are healed. He took on all of our iniquities, all of our sin. He who was, was without sin bore our sin. He became the sin offering. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I think I... Hit that one, so let's go to our next slide. 
In Acts, Peter says, am I going the wrong way here? Okay. Oh, yeah. Colossians. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In Jesus Christ, all that is God dwells in Jesus. Is what Colossians is saying. Philippians 2.8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. John John said, records that Thomas answered Jesus, my Lord and my God. Who is Jesus? Romans 10. As read before, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then take Acts. You know, Acts is the probably the best explanation or best scripture given to us that tells us what happened after Jesus ascended and how the early church were formed. And, and in, in, in Acts, we're told uh, that the writer is writing to someone and that someone is probably a person of prominence because he begins Otheopolis. This, this Otheopolis may have been the one who even sponsored the writer of the book of Acts. Because he had written once before, and now he's writing again. So he says in the first book, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, but John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. We can kind of take this as if someone's going to be writing an a, a autobiography of someone. That's probably the best way to take the book of Acts. It's an autobiography of, of what happened uh, after Jesus ascended. And during those early days uh, of the church. So that wraps it up and brings us to the end of this Bible study session. Explore the Bible. And at this time we'll end our official recording and we'll take questions.